everybody. It's Microphones of Madness. I'm Rodney. Over there, Steve. Push the button, Frank. Yeah, fuck Frank. <laughs> <laughs> Today we are talking HP Lovecraft's From Beyond. Kind of. Uh, movie directed by Stuart Gordon and starring Jeffrey. I go through everyone's trash. Combs. <laughs> Jeffrey Combs and the, the redoubtable Barbara Crane. Right. And, and her shoulder pads. Yes. And her, well, her, yeah. <laughs> uh, what, what year was we'll this movie? Yeah, 1986. And 1986. I can remember it vividly because I saw this movie in the theaters. You saw this movie in the theater? I saw this yeah. movie in the theaters with my friend John Ross mm -hmm. in Madison, Wisconsin. We both drank. You know how you go to those little coffee shops? especially on college campuses, and you get, like, these mini pots of coffee. Mm -hmm. We each drank one, and then... You, you mean a large? Yeah. <laughs> we each drank one of those, and this is 1986, so they didn't have all that fancy venti shit. This thing is venti, it's large. And uh, so we had one of those, and then we did bong hits, and then we went and saw this movie. So I saw this movie... Like uh, as as Ryan put it, on a low grade speedball. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and probably how this movie ended to be seen. Uh, I the first time I saw this movie was yesterday at four o'clock p.m. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's hilarious. Um, I will say I have fond memories of this movie, and it's more fond memories of. Um, just dogging on this movie with John. Mm -hmm. um, uh, like one of our, after seeing this, one of our go-to phrases was, oh, the resonator. <laughs> so I, I think originally when I was 18 years old, we watched this in the spirit that it was intended. Um, because this is not... Uh, this isn't high cinema at all. This is no. like, this is camp. Right. This like, falls in the same category as Evil Dead and to an extent Buckaroo Banzai. Evil Dead's a better movie. Well, Evil Dead, of course, is, you know. Evil Dead's a, a more well thought out movie. Right. But it's in that same <laughs> kind of category. It's yes. it's kind of tongue in cheek. It's It's not quite a trauma film. Yes. But you know, it's a little, it's a step up from trauma. It's, but it's not quite Evil Dead. It's a splatter stick. Yeah, kinda, kinda. Um, now, yeah, pref we'll preface this. Um, we're we, we're looking at this film. From Beyond is the only H.P. Lovecraft story that I reread for enjoyment. I reread it today. Uh, I didn't get a chance to reread it, but I've read it many times. Um, and I would like to take this opportunity to plug Martian Migraine Press's Resonator. So if you are listening to the show, you're not familiar with that particular anthology, but are a fan of the movie From Beyond. It is a anthology, it's an anthology of stories based around the concept of the Resonator. And, and with From Beyond as a seed story. And yeah, I have something in there as well. It does. It's a good story too. So yeah, if go out and pick that up. But 
you didn't hear you're not here to hear plugs you're here to hear us raz hair plugs <laughs> speaking of hair i didn't say hair plugs, hair plugs. how about say... that jeffrey combs <laughs> jeffrey combs hair yeah. plugs combs i will get it wink 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 all right so from beyond is about seven pages long and from beyond the film is about an hour and a half Yes. And you cannot get an hour and a half film out of seven pages. Really, what they have in common, besides the name, mm. is uh, Crawford Tillinghast. Right. Just the, the name. Just the name and the resonator. Right. And that's pretty much it. Oh, and Miskatonic University. Uh, I don't know if Miskatonic University was actually. Oh, that's in right. That's right. The Crawford is from Providence. Yes. So, quick recap of the story. Because I think it's an important H.P. Lovecraft story. Uh, because it is kind of the template for a lot of pastiche. And I'm not talking resonator pastiche. I'm talking about that kind of um, weird revenge story. Because that's what it is. It's a weird revenge story. Mm -hmm. Crawford Tillinghast was laughed at by his peers, invents this machine that brings um, two disparate dimensions together. Um, and comes to the realization that the beings that, that inhabit the other dimension are vicious and will kill beings from our dimension. I, I, I don't get that out of the story. I, I get that, you know, the, the, the monsters of, of the, the short story are really kind of occupying their ecological niche in this dimension and, and it, dimension overlaps. Resonator activates your pineal gland, allows you to see this other dimension, and if you can see them, they can see you. Um, there are predatory creatures. Well, yeah, but in, in my mind, they're not. You know, they're not wanting to feast on humans. It's just like oh, except they do. It doesn't right. matter whether they want to or not. They do. They killed his entire staff, right? <laughs> randomly. Well, um, there's, if you, if you move in, in, in any. If you right. move in, they're probably going to see you and they're going to kill you. But and, in uh, the ecosystem. And I assure you that disintegration is painless. But in any ecosystem, you're going to have predators and prey, and there just happens to be predators. They're not yeah. like, you know, they're well, not, yeah. um, it's not a uh, intent to kill and eat humans. It's no. humans are tasty. Right, which is another thing about this story that, to me, makes it one of the um, forerunners of the cosmic horror genre, is you have this um, intent, this non-intent of this other dimension and the creatures in the other dimension. And the cosmic horror comes in when the narrator realizes that they're always around. They're always there. And the only thing that keeps them apart from us is a vibratory frequency. Mm -hmm. And that's what drives them mad. I think it's that's much more of a um, poignant cosmic horror story than um, beings from another uh, dimension purposely come to Earth to rule it, which is mm -hmm. kind of like the, the go-to um, Call of Cthulhu uh, kind of plot. Right, right. However, for Stuart Gordon, uh, who I believe also wrote this film. 
Uh, he, I, he may have co-wrote it. I think it was written by the yeah. producer. Ah, uh, something like that. I don't know. I didn't read it, the credits. It, it does. It doesn't matter. Right. He didn't because he didn't give a shit about any of that. <laughs> right. He he took the 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 idea of the story and built a movie around that idea. And in the film, we have Crawford Tillinghast working with a gentleman named Doctor Pretorius, who is a call out to. Uh, Victor Frankenstein's rival. He actually designed and built the the resonator as opposed right. to Crawford Tillinghast doing it. Right. Uh, but they both working on the same theories of stimulating the pineal gland. Right. Uh, Tillinghast was his lab assistant. Yeah, but he's still a full-on doctor. And they're testing it. It, it works, and you get these great, you know, almost uh, Pepper's ghost eels that go through the, the scene. Yeah, and I'm sure at the time, that was some hellacious. That was like effects. some really good special effects. Um, I mean, you know, this is this is not too long after the original Ghostbusters, where you had a lot of that uh, film overlay, yeah, type of animation for the ghosts, and it's mm -hmm. a very similar technique. Um the the thing that got me was is that they're obviously like moray eels, but they're a special effects department art director's idea of a moray eel. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and and you can tell that they're on sticks. <laughs> yeah, well, you... you, <laughs> you know, it's, I was gonna... it's great 1980s special effects. It, it really is. It is hard to say where my impression of the story is colored by this film and my impression of the film is colored by this story. Mm-hmm. Um, because I probably read the story prior to seeing the film, but never, it, it wasn't like one of the big ones, right? Like you said, right. it's a seven page long story. Right. Um, so I think the coloring of it, you know, in my mind, in, in when I, when I read that story again, um, and he's talking about the things that, that appear, I see the eels. You see the eels. I see, see the fucking eels. But but <laughs> don't don't they specifically talk, speak of the jellyfish? The, yeah, the jellyfish are in there. But and, the, and I was I was disappointed in the film because the jellyfish didn't appear till much later in the movie. Right. And that was that's the thing that stands out to me. Um, the interesting thing about the film is the way it went. It went with more of a classic monster story than a psychedelic experience and really for me that's how i envision the opening of the the pineal gland and the you know adjusting to the vibratory frequencies of this other dimension as being more psychedelic than you know everything is pornographic <laughs> because <laughs> let's face it they took psychedelic and substituted pornographic for it right yeah, there was there was some stuff that was just outright pornog pornography. Well, I don't, well, I don't know. It was salacious, salacious, <laughs> sensational, very much in the spirit of Weird Tales. Uh, they they would have gotten the cover for sure if they had written sent that story treatment to the magazine back in the day. <laughs> now, Doctor Pretorius is into uh, S and M, yeah. uh, probably not in a healthy way. As it's implied. No, because later on, <laughs> when he says, you can't even please a woman. Yeah. Whew. 
There's <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, manhood. Now, Dr. Pretorius, uh, Crawford Tillinghast turns on the machine, sees things. He gets bit in the face early on. Uh, and I'm first like, scene. okay, first scene. I'm like, okay, this is going to be one of those kinds of movies. And Pretorius comes up, rushes out of his room because he's been awakened in the middle of the night. It works. It works. Comes in. He's like, yes, it works. Perfect. Ah, the power. No, we have to turn it off. No, the power. I can see it all. It's expanding my horizons. Mad scientist talk. Yeah. Pretorius is definitely, um, well, literally a mad scientist. Right, right. And and he's also he also has that kind of uh, hedonist. He's a hedonistic mad scientist. He totally is. I mean, he's like at one point he says he's the most powerful being in the universe. And what does he use his like powers for? <laughs> trying Barbara Crampton. Yeah, trying to get him some Barbara Crampton. Yep. So so he's he may be the most powerful being in the universe, but he's really the most small minded powerful being being in the universe because he's concerned mm. with uh, getting his rocks off. Yes, yeah, that's what he that's, uses his entire like getting, array of powers for. Right, getting his rocks off because apparently the pineal stimulation of the pineal gland also stimulates the sex drive. Yes, it does. Is is that true? I have no idea. Because uh, I, I don't remember what the pineal gland. I, I'm going to take a guess. Probably not. Probably right. not. It's probably a device for the film. At uh, least they didn't use that. Humans only use ten percent of their brain. Bullshit. No, they but the the when they show the pineal gland, they show it coming out of the head, yes, and flipping around like a little dick, yes, kind of like a little dick or like a little tiny Audrey, too. And it, it's interesting because, um, both Crawford Tillinghast and Dr. Pretorius have their pineal glands, um, stimulated and open and visible. And Barbara Crampton, doc, I forgot her name, doctor, um, she plays a, a psychiatrist. Right, right. Uh, she does not. Um, and I don't know if that was a statement about um, genitalia. I don't know if that was a statement of we can't have Barbara Crampton vamping it up around here in a sexy bondage outfit with a big dick sticking out of her forehead. Oh, shoot. The Bubba. football player, Bubba. Bubba. Officer Bubba. Sergeant Bubba. He's exposed to the resonator as much as anyone else. And I think it has something to do with the time exposed because Bubba and Crampton's characters do not have the protruding pineal gland and uh, Crawford Tillinghast and Dr. Pretorius I both think do, Bubba, and they have been exposed to it more. I think Bubba would have, but he died. Well, I, I, I really oh, don't and, think Well, I'll, I'll tell you. Tillinghast and um, Pretorius also were both attacked by it, and and by over the right, head. Whatever it, yeah, whatever it is. Right. Well, they both got their heads like. Well, one of them got their head to clean torn off. That would be Pretorius. Bitten off one, like a gingerbread man. Yeah, that was uh, great acting right there. He bit his head off just like a gingerbread man but uh both of them had that happen to them and maybe that is why they have well, head pretorius pieces. pretorius bit off tilling ass head but he i think he became it 
Yes. But in the basement, they were attacked by the sandworm-looking thing, and uh, yeah. it it clamped. They're over. not appearing in the in the story. We we had this left over from Dune. Yeah. <laughs> or well, probably um, Beetlejuice. <laughs> was Beetlejuice? I thought Beetlejuice was like eighty-eight. Oh, maybe. It's all blur. It's all it's all hazy blur of coffee and, and marijuana. Yeah. <laughs> now I watched this film and I don't really I, I don't really like films with a lot of gore in them. Um I can stand Evil Dead because it's so over the top gore. It's almost like uh Lone Wolf and Cub movie gore levels of gore you know it's not like you know we want to try to make this look as realistic as possible well i don't think they were going for that at all but you know what i mean well i mean that eyeball was pretty good the eyeball was pretty good i think they were going for it almost like a cronenberg style body horror kind of thing i I suppose with with pretorius with pretorius because they had his pineal gland yeah, but I mean, there was a lot of like just um, exaggerated grotesquery of form in there. A lot of like hands plastered on, like absorbed into the rest of the body and elongated spines and, you know, misshapen humps and stuff like that. Right. Um, and so slime. Everywhere slime. Yeah, the, there was a lot of moisture. Yeah. A lot of moisture going on. But I mean, um, Pretorius is just constantly just dripping with goo. And, you know, they, there's that one scene where the resonator turns on by itself and they go up the stairs and the fucking uh, banister is just dripping with slime. It's like, why? Yeah. I, I, maybe that's like an effect of the, the, and the meaning of the dimensions. Possibly ectoplasm, maybe. But the one thing that really got me was the where did all the fucking water come from? Yeah, there was water everywhere. The basement was flooded for the no basement reason. was flooded for no reason. Uh, water just started pouring out of the attic, <laughs> where no water had ever appeared before. Yeah, I, I'm I'm wondering if they went under budget on the special effects at one point and said we have to justify spending all this money. Right. So they said okay, or they ran out of money. And they're like, all right, just like pour water down it, all right, yeah. to create chaos. It's probably more, more realistic. Yeah, I mean, I could understand maybe if it was slime. I could understand even if it was maybe blood, but just water and like, ooh, scary. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I guess I maybe maybe they were trying to allude to the fact that this other dimension is actually. Aquatic, given the jellyfish and the eels and and, and stuff like that. That could be it as well. Pretorius's alternate forms that he takes out are are kind of like water creatures of a sort. Um, You know, he has one insectoid type of head that he uses to you kiss people. It's 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 weird. It's a weird amalgamation of different um, features in Pretorius's forms and he doesn't really give a shit what he looks like he can look like whatever he wants and most of the time he looks like a uh snake he he makes his head kind of do the same thing as his 
uh, his, his, his pineal gland. So it's like the alien mouth thing going on. Right. He, yeah, I think with a little bit more organization mm-hmm. or fo- even, even just focus, this could have been a really good film instead of a cult classic. Right. It's definitely in the cult classic section. If, if you had, if you had like, um, maybe not thrown everything against the wall to see what would stick. Cause it kind of seems that that's what they did. It's at, at, like, especially towards the end. Cause you had, um, Oh, the pineal gland popping out going, feed me Seymour. Yeah. And yeah. The only all, thing all that will satiate his hunger is brains. Yeah. So Crawford tilling gas at the end of this movie, after they f- defeat quote unquote, um, Pretorius, or you think they defeat Pretorius. I'm spoiling the shit out of this. Um, the, I guess the false ending. They take him back to the to the hospital, and uh, he escapes his room and starts going on a feeding frenzy. He starts eating the um, the brains in jars. They mm-hmm. have um, you know brain brains there for autopsy or whatever pathology, and he's eating them and he thinks they're delicious. Then he attacks the um, the doctor, his doctor, mm-hmm. and sucks her brains out from her eye, right. and then. He starts to go on like a cross-country brain-eating spree. Right. With no explanation whatsoever. Yeah, just randomly, because it's tasty. Right, because, well, you know, we haven't thrown enough against the wall. Let's have let's have some zombie stuff in there, too. Right, so I think, it, I mean, and I kind of see what they were trying to do, because it's the pineal gland, and, and it's attached directly to your brain, and you want to feed that. But I, I don't. I think that this was probably just a bit too much. Are you and saying I, that it was brain food? Yes, that's what I think. That's what they were trying to imply that it was brain food. Ha ha. Yeah, but see that that part didn't make sense to me. Um, you know, the whole protruding pineal gland, other than it looking like a penis um, or a mushroom, even. You know, I. I don't understand that. I do did like the effect that they put over when they did perspective shots of. Yeah, it was like eighties video. Well, it was kind of like eighties. It was like a Bowie video. (laughs) It was it was like Predator. (laughs) It was like stands the room looking for. Okay, and you you know Arnold Schwarzenegger covered in mud up against the wall. Okay, so so you know, in like all those old new wave videos from around, maybe well, maybe like five or six years earlier than this movie was made, like the early eighties, like bow, wow, wow, Adam and the ants and uh, wall of voodoo. They always have that shot where they go into that perspective in it. Right. And, and that's, it was weird. Cause it was like, wow, this is really fucking eighties. I'm on a Mexican radio. <laughs> right. I'm expecting Crawford tilling gas to start um, to unplug the jukebox and listen to another, uh, song AO. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Stand and deliver Crawford Tillinghast. So it, it was, it definitely dated this movie. Just that perspective shot. It was cool and everything. And I'm sure at the time it was like, dude. Hell, Compton's, Com- Compton's shoulder pads dated this movie. Yeah. I mean, it was definitely, definitely an 80s film. But some films like, um, well, let, let's look at um, Herbert West re- or just Reanimator. 
uh, Reanimator doesn't feel as dated as this one. Mm. Um, maybe because it wasn't as ambitious with the special effects. Um, <laughs> but Reanimator, uh, you can watch that over and over again, and, and it, it holds up. It, it Yes, it's an 80s film. You could tell by the clothes it's from the 80s. But then again, you know, there's a ton of 80s horror films that stand up. Mm-hmm. That you know, you mentioned Evil Dead. Um, yeah, there's there's a, a lot of them that that you know you can watch over time, and you're not like, oh, it's so fucking eighties. And this one just kind of was like, okay, it's eighties, right? It it definitely reminds you it's the eighties. I, I and I was looking forward to to watching this again. I haven't seen it in years. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I kind of remember why. And the thing is, I watch Reanimator, you know, um, fairly regularly. Another movie I've never watched all the way through. Oh, really? Reanimator is a good one. Reanimator is a good one. It, it gets a little um, out of control at the end, but it it so does um, the source material kind of gets out of control as well. Right. Um, with this, the sor- I think... It runs into like the same problems that like uh, the Hobbit ran into, where mm-hmm. you have um, not enough source material for movie. Really, I, I don't know. I, I I think I think her, the original story, Herbert West Reanimator, was plenty of material for. No, no, I'm talking about about From Beyond. Oh, From Beyond. Yeah, I think From Beyond really didn't have enough source material, so they stuck with the idea of a machine that can, you know, right. change vibrational frequencies. And, and, you know, it's, it's really, it's kind of that old flash plot. Right. And uh, they made a, they made a, an eighties horror movie out of it. Right. They and, and it. it's funny that you should mention that old flash pot because, you know, the, the guy who came up with that, um, Gardner Fox, mm-hmm. uh, huge HP Lovecraft fan. Well, that makes sense. Maybe so, Reanimator, or not Reanimator, from uh, maybe From Beyond is responsible for the Flash. Oh, I'm totally well. Maybe not the Flash, but Silver Age Flash. Well, definitely the um, multiverse the concept of the multiverse. You, I think you could pin that directly on f- From Beyond. Mm-hmm. And the multiverse is probably one of the coolest ideas in um, fiction. Uh, you just have these overlapping worlds. Like right I think next. this is probably one of those instances um, where Lovecraft, as a, as a person who is interested in science, probably read in like in a magazine somewhere mm. um, that there's this theory of multiple universes, and and was like that would make right. a cool story, and and went with it because um, I think he does stuff like that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, um, yeah, the, a lot of astronomy just, and stuff like that, and he yeah, pulled well, a lot of that type of stuff. Current his, you know, contemporary science for him, and he'll use it as like the seed of an idea for a story, which I think is one, definitely one of his strong points as mm-hmm. a, as a storyteller. Right. That aside, um, I, I think probably one of the reasons why his stories endure is because they have that. That uh, just a little bit of of truth truthiness to them, mm-hmm. 
You know, you could definitely go, oh, well, that could happen. If there are multiple universes, then there's a possibility that there could be a machine that brings them together. Well, yeah. Grace City, the setting that I use for all the role-playing stuff, everything that goes on in Grace City is because of the Resonator. That was For me, the Resonator is the game-changing technology of a fictional universe. Did you just invent string punk? String punk? Yeah. I don't, I don't think well, so. Well, it would be string theory, you know, right. vi- different vibrations. Shh. If I didn't, string, punk's, <laughs> string punk is now over. <laughs> <laughs> the movie ends in typical Lovecraft fashion. Um, mm-hmm. The resonator's going crazy. Someone's planted a bomb. On, on the, you know, th- here's the thing that gets me about this movie. All right. I don't think a med school degree teaches you how to make that nice of a bomb in a very short amount of time. In a very short amount of time. I'm but, thinking that they had the bomb in the ambulance that she took. Clearly, because, you know, when all else fails, and and you can't quite get the defibrillator working. Just stick dynamite on their fucking chest, and that'll jumpstart their heart right there. Yeah, I will say that the climactic battle within the monster was pretty cool. Right, right. With uh, with uh, Tillingath versus versus um, Pretorius in the same body, mm-hmm. and parts of them popping out and fighting right. the the other part. That, that was pretty. That was a cool concept. Right. And this, their skulls forming little yeah. skull snakes, and they're snapping at each other. Yeah. And they're making cute little noises, like. Yeah. Well, I don't know about the cute little noises, but yeah, I thought that was kind of cool. Um, you could have actually skipped the entire post, um, post for initial defeat of the resonator. You know, fifteen twenty minutes. And right. just got and just got into that really right, cool that fifteen fight. minute zombie movie that happened in the middle. Yes, you could have like just chucked that out the window and gone straight to this this battle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she jumps out the window, breaks her leg. Oh man, that was that was pretty harsh. Yeah, that was kind of nasty. They had like they, you know, they, they had the prosthetic bone popping out of her knee. Gross. Mm-hmm. It's like Joe Theismann. Ugh. And the neighbor's like, honey, are you okay? <laughs> no. Oscar-winning performances throughout this entire film. Yes. Yes. Featuring such lines as, honey, are you okay? And it ate off, bit off his head like a gingerbread man. <laughs> Yes. There was a third movie that this team made. Oh, dear. What was it? Castle Freak. Which is... Uh, I've never seen it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's... it's, And maybe we should take a look at it. It's um, uh, The Outsider, from what I understand. Mm-hmm. Based on another seven-page story. Ah, so it will be nothing like The Outsider. <laughs> At least they got it through their heads to change the name. Yes. Now, that being said, 
Uh, Stuart Gordon, it, people already know this, I've um, been probably blab blabbering on, uh, did a Spanish language film, mm -hmm. Dagon, which is a retelling of The Shadow Over Innsmouth. Actually, I have seen that film. Which is a really good film. It is. It is. That is, I mean, if, if you were, if I were to take any of the um, adaptations that I've seen, um, I would say that 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 might be the best one. Mm -hmm. uh, the Call of the Silent Call of Cthulhu film was really good as well by the H.P. Uh, Lovecraft Historical Society. Yes, uh, but uh, however, we also if we're going to talk about good quote unquote you know Lovecraftian style films, uh, was it Cast a Deadly Spell, I believe, with uh, Fred Ward. <laughs> I've actually never seen that. You've never seen that? I've seen that. that is, I love that movie. But I kind of like Fred Ward. He's 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 engaging. You know, he's he's really for me the only reason to watch Tremors. <laughs> New bacon I mean, other than the, the yeah, you know, fucking fuck bacon, the Baconator. But yeah, if you haven't seen, it's worth watching. It's not horrible. It's not horrible. It's not fantastic. It, it's, it's one it, of those films that you watch. It's it's. Throwaway entertainment. You watch yeah, it on a Saturday film. afternoon. It's a cult film. It's 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 our generation. Well, my generation's Rocky Horror kind of thing. You know, um, it should definitely be shown midnight showings um, with you know drunken stone college students throwing shit at the screen. I'll, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Uh, you know, I can't imagine much interactivity though with it. You Come know, on. It, can it you bit just off its head yes, like a gingerbread a man? Theater, a whole theater going, it bit off his head like a like it was a gingerbread man. It and everyone throws great. gingerbread men at the screen? Yes. Yes. All the people playing Barbara Crampton's character could vamp it up in, in bondage gear. Bondage gear or uh Jane Austen nightgown. <laughs> Put some <laughs> Put some clothes on. <laughs> I'm gonna take you. Uh, we're leaving now. I'm gonna throw you in the van. Put some damn clothes on. Dress like that. <laughs> oh, crack me up. I'll be right back. You know, it's like okay, he's gonna go get his gun. Cool. No, he goes to the kitchen, gets a goddamn butcher knife, and ah, oh, leaps on the worm's back. Yeah. Like, okay. I think he, I think he spent all of his ammo. Um, shooting at nothing at one point. Uh, I think he was shooting it. I think he was shooting at Pretorius. Oh, he was shooting at a fish. Oh, maybe it was an eel. An eel, a fish, Pretorius. Who knows? He was shooting. The bullets yes. went somewhere. Yes. What I want to know. And, no, and none of the cops came came by for that. None of the cops came by. Well, he was a cop. They're all the cops knew that there was a cop there. Yeah. So if there's any shooting, it must be the cop doing it. What I want to know is, is how the fucking glass got replaced so fast in that house. Because every time you turn the resonator on, it blew out the attic window, right? Right. They go back day, some days later, right? Turn on the resonator again, blows out the fucking window. I'm sure that Pretorius probably found a really good deal. They go back, direction. they go back the next, they go back up there the next day. Turn on the resonator. Fucking glass blows out of the window. Who's replacing the glass? Pretorius probably hired like other dimensional Home Depot people to do it. 
Ah, yeah, I'm your uh, resonator handyman. I'm here to replace the glass. Turned on your resonator again, I see. Yep. Seems to be an awful lot of that going around around oh, here. Yeah, been replacing a lot of attic windows lately. You know, well, the thing you got to watch out about these resonators is they have severe coolant leaks. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing about it is that the, the machine itself is like, how does it even operate? I mean, they don't, I don't mean the pseudoscience of it. The fact that you so much shit is plugged into it, right? There's all this shit. You unplug one thing and it turns off. Yeah, to rewire the entire house. They had to rewire the entire house, which really meant they ran monster cable from the fuse box to the attic directly. Yes, that's exactly what they did. If you were to do that, you would prop that house's fuse box would catch on fire. It provided the fuses held in the first place because those look like just standard main power fuses for the house. You know, if they wanted to tie, tie well, in. Well, I'm certain they probably put a quarter in there or a nickel. No, those fuses. A penny. I got it to work. I had the computer fried because of the magnetic field. So I had yeah. to, you have to do everything manually, which means I have to walk around the room and flip all of these switches and And then I, I have it set for on off mode. And man, how rusty was that switch? The magnetic field was holding it down. Yes, definitely, definitely some good science fiction there. Yeah, the only thing that was missing is like Tesla coils, so you could get some going on. Well, they kind of had that. You had the you had a lot of uh, electricity arcing when the cables were reattaching themselves to the resonator. Yes, yes, in that in that Return of the Jedi Jedi Emperor uh, lightning there. (laughs) And now, young Skywalker. I will reattach these cables. Witness the full power of this fully operational resonator. (laughs) Yeah. God bless the 80s. Yeah. (laughs) So that was that was from beyond 1986, I believe you said. 1986 film with uh, Jeffrey Combs directed by Stuart Gordon. Do check it out. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, not that I am going to advocate drug use, but check it out. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Check it out in whatever state of psychic lubrication you require. Right. And until next time, don't go in the attic. And keep those 30 luck points because you'll need them when Dr. Pretorius comes for you. Well, especially if you're in bondage gear. Or or Jane Austen nightgowns. Goodbye, everybody.